Hi, my name is Pete Redden, and welcome to The Way I Taught It, Next Level Aviation Knowledge in Microbursts. Welcome to another edition of The Way I Taught It. Winter has got its grip on the country. I have canceled more exams and more flight lessons in the first couple of weeks of 2022 than I probably canceled all of last year. Sounds like an exaggeration, but I'm going to tally up the numbers and get back to you. Just want to let you know that we have some exciting things coming up on the way I taught it. We're going to start doing interviews with people throughout the aviation industry at the regional airline level, at the major airline level. And we're going to try and have some folks come in from uh, different parts of the industry, help educate us on what the future of the industry is going to look like and what it's shaping up to be. And it looks like it's going to be very successful for anybody uh, no matter your age, uh, entering the aviation industry over the next few years. So stick with us. Uh, we're going to change some things up. We're going to move off of the instructional things, and we're going to kind of get into industry analysis and uh, learning what is out there and what opportunities are presenting themselves. I'd like to make a quick pitch again for Veterans Community Project, or VCP. They are a nonprofit dedicated to supporting every man and woman who took the oath for our country. They're determined to make a difference in the lives of homeless veterans, a task accomplished by the community for the community. Veterans Community Project, VCP. Check them out. You can find them on Facebook, LinkedIn, or at veteranscommunityproject.org. Now, on with today's lesson, Shandells. So why the Shandell? Why performance maneuvers? Why do commercial pilots have to practice these? Why do we have to do them? Performance maneuvers enhances a pilot's proficiency in flight control application, maneuver planning, situational awareness, and division of attention, or what I like to call the triad of clearing. To further that intent, performance maneuvers are designed and allow for the application of flight control pressures, attitudes, airspeeds, and orientations that constantly change throughout the maneuver. So on a foundational level, we must accomplish and practice these exercises to relay, to those, princi relay those principles to the learner. Sounds fun, right? Sounds challenging. It is. It's awesome. These maneuvers are great fun once you learn how to do them, but they can be pretty frustrating as you learn to do them. So we'll try and clear some things up and maybe help you uh, along the way. They are super rewarding once you know how to do them. It also requires a bit of pre-flight planning and ground training prior to doing these maneuvers. The Airplane Flying Handbook states why we're doing these maneuvers and what has to occur before you do these maneuvers. Initial training for the performance maneuver should always begin with a detailed ground lesson for each maneuver with your flight instructor so that the learner understands the technicalities and aerodynamics prior to flight. Do not, I repeat, do not go out and try these maneuvers on your own until you have received the proper instruction from a flight instructor. So when are we going to use a Shondell? Seems just like a maneuver and we forget the why, and why do we do it? We just do it to do it on a test because, well, that's what we have to do. Well, that's not true. We use this maneuver in some ways and shapes and forms all throughout flying. We use a milder form of the chandelle when turning after takeoff. The same principles apply, just not at the extremes of max bank and airspeed just above stall. Remember, performance maneuvers must be accomplished starting at or above and remaining above 1,500 feet AGL. So we're practicing the maximums, we're practicing 
the uh, far ends of the limits so that as a commercial pilot, if and when we need to operate at those, we can, but we're not planning to. We're just making sure we understand the full performance envelope of the aircraft. We'd also consider using a chandelle in mountainous areas if we enter a box canyon or enter weather over rising terrain and we wanted to turn around as well as gain altitude while we're turning towards lower terrain and maintain VMC. Again, we have become so focused on accomplishing the maneuver for the purposes of the practical exam only, we've forgotten the principles behind the maneuver and or the why. So if you're in Florida listening to this, you're going, I'll never use a chandelle in Florida. Well, that might be true during your training, but we're training pilots to be able to operate not only anywhere in the United States, but anywhere in the world to include mountainous areas. How do we do chandelles? After reading the Airplane Fly Handbook, it can seem very confusing and potentially as if we are staring at the attitude indicator, the airspeed, and the heading the entire time. We are not doing this. I'll provide some techniques on scanning and picking ground references to help you aid your accomplishing of the maneuver. First, during pre-flight planning and ground training, you're supposed to receive dedicated ground instruction on all maneuvers prior to accomplishing them. This is in the Airplane Fly Handbook. Unfortunately, this podcast does not fulfill that requirement. Only your flight instructor can. Because every time you do a ground lesson with your flight instructor, that ground lesson should be getting logged somewhere in your logbook or in your training folder. Make sure you are receiving that dedicated ground instruction as there are knowledge requirements in the Airman Certification Standards as well for the flight portion. So you're not just going to go do the flight portion. While you're doing the flight portion, you may receive knowledge questions while you're doing the flight portion in a specific maneuver. So make sure you get that ground training done and you understand the aerodynamics and the why behind the maneuver. Second, take a look at surface winds and clouds during your pre-flight planning. Determine the downwind direction and what altitude above or below the clouds you will have to start the maneuver to maintain proper cloud clearances. Also, don't be afraid to use satellite pictures of your practice area during pre-flight planning to find some solid points or roads or straight line references and clear them of hazards ahead of time and as well determine emergency airfield prior to ever arriving at your practice area. Calculate your stall speeds at 30 degrees of bank and zero degrees of bank so you have that awareness during the maneuver and you can recover from the maneuver if you don't do it correctly prior to stalling the airplane. So now we knocked out all the pre-flight requirements and now it's time to start the maneuver. Once again, clear the area. The airplane flying handbook on page 1-12 states that there are many techniques to clearing the area, not just clearing turns. Bottom line, make sure you are purposely looking outside for threats prior to, to and during maneuvering. Establish the triad of clearing that we've discussed in previous episodes prior to this one. Basically, continuously scan out of the front of the aircraft in the direction of the turn and your reference points and your instruments. So three points out the front of the aircraft, at your reference points, and at your instruments. If you develop that scan, you will keep your eyes outside at least 66% of the time. This makes a triangle on the flight deck, hence the triad of clearing. What are we looking for? Well, the airplane flying handbook states we're looking for other traffic, a place to land if our engine quits, 
and obstacles that may be threats. Threats in this case, more specifically, are clouds or that pesky overhanging shelf of the class Bravo or Charlie airspace. The next thing we have to do is determine or identify points or lines for reference during the maneuver. Remember the satellite shot from your iPad in pre-flight planning? As an aerobatic pilot, I like straight lines. And if I can find them, I'm going to use them more than I'm going to use individual points for these maneuvers. I like to look for a line that is perpendicular to the wind for this maneuver. You can use points as well, and we'll discuss them in a moment. My straight line reference point is going to be as long as possible, horizon to horizon if possible, and as mentioned, perpendicular to the wind. I like entering chandelles on a downwind heading, and the reason for that I'll give you more in a moment towards the end of the chandelle. If you do not have a significant long straight line reference, then place what little reference you have on the side of the airplane opposite direction of the turn that you're making. If you're going to do a chandelle to your left, make sure that the majority of your straight line reference is on the right side of the airplane. This is going to help you out on the back side of the maneuver. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Once you accomplish 90 degrees of turn, your pitch attitude is going to be higher than normal and most likely close to a slow flight pitch attitude. So you're not going to be able to see your reference line over the nose of the airplane. More than likely, you're going to have to look out the left or right side of the airplane for that reference line to determine when you're parallel to it. And when you're parallel to it, you're now at 90 degrees a turn, and you know you need to pause and trim out your pitch attitude and now begin to transition into your rolling out of the bank for the last 90 degrees of the turn. As you continue to finish the chandelle, the airplane will be banked towards your starting point. It'll now be banked towards, you'll be naturally looking, using the triad of clearing, in the direction of your turn. So you're going to be banked towards and looking towards your entry point. And because you put the majority of your straight line reference on the opposite side of your turn, you're now at the end of your turn, the straight line reference point is going to be on your side of the aircraft and it's going to be very easily seen. And this is most used in a low wing airplane, but a high wing airplane, it's just as effective. Although you can see much more in a high wing airplane doing these maneuvers. Using points. So there's nothing against using points. The principle is the same. Pick two points, one left, one right of the aircraft during the entry phase and draw an approximate or imaginary line between the two. Use the first point to determine 90 degrees through the turn and the second point for 180. Unfortunately, the more points you have, the more things you have to keep track of. And I feel like it makes the maneuver more difficult. Plus, once you get to the midpoint of the maneuver, one point is going to be covered up by the nose and the other point is going to be covered by the tail and you have the potential to get lost. So I like to use that straight line reference so I have a continuous reference throughout the entire maneuver and I usually and it will usually end up on my side of the airplane when we're going to the left and it'll end up on the evaluator side or the instructor's side when you're going to the right but if it's clear and it's straight and it's a line and it's as close to horizon to horizon as you can get it makes the maneuver much 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 easier. Once we have identified our references, we as a technique establish ourselves on a downwind to enter the maneuver. Fly a mile or two, about 30 or 60 seconds, from your starting point 
an upwind from your starting point or reference line, get to your entry altitude and set your power for cruise airspeed. As a technique, I use maneuvering speed. Get the power and trim set, and as you approach your reference point, ensure you have established your triad of clearing. At your reference or start point, we need to purposefully and quickly establish our 30 degree bank in the direction of turn. This should be practiced at altitude, and you should be able to do it without referencing the attitude indicator. Use the natural horizon and points along your glare shield. Do not pull the yoke back yet. This is only a roll with ailerons. Think roll, pause, power to climb power, and then pull. Roll, pause, power, pull. Now we have to think about our triad of clearing. Maintaining the bank angle, adding climb power, and raising the nose smoothly through the first 90 degrees of the turn to a slow flight-like pitch attitude. Once we are parallel to our reference line or points at the 90 degree point, trim and hold that nose at the slow flight pitch attitude as the airspeed continues to bleed off towards a airspeed just above stall. And begin to roll the wings level, referencing your line or 180 degree point, and timing the roll so that you are wings level opposite direction of entry heading at the 180 degree point. Oh, and if you, want, if you entered on a downwind, you are now upwind heading into the wind. You now have a headwind, and now that headwind is helping you produce lift and performance during the slower speed flight portion of the maneuver. Pause for a moment at the 180 degree point in this final pitch attitude with the wings level to demonstrate your mastery of the maneuver, and then recover back to cruise flight. Now the stall horn may chirp a little bit during the maneuver, and that should be expected because we are max performing the aircraft. Now we don't want to stall, but when we're max performing the aircraft, we may have hear the stall horn. And if you think about it, this stall horn is an angle of attack indicator. Now it indicates one angle of attack, the angle of attack just prior to a stall, but it is an angle of attack indicator. So if you hear it starting to chirp, you know that you may, depending on where you are in the maneuver, you may be demanding too much performance too early in the maneuver, or if it's chirping right towards the end of the maneuver, you're probably doing the maneuver almost perfectly correct. Be patient but aggressive. Allow the chandelle to develop over time. I see people rush this maneuver because they think it's this quick turning maneuver, and it's not. We wanna be smooth but not slow, patient and slightly aggressive and give the airplane time to fly through the maneuver. Okay, so what about the aerodynamics behind the maneuver? This is all about control of your total lift vector as well as the horizontal and vertical lift vectors. At the beginning of the maneuver, at a high, higher relative speed than the end of the maneuver, you have more energy to work with. Remember that new chapter on energy management in chapter four of the Airplane Fly Handbook? You may want to brush up on it. So to keep the turn radius small, higher banks and pitch attitudes can be used, but we don't want to kill all the energy at once that we have at the entry of the chandelle. So we smoothly, not necessarily slowly, accomplish the maneuver to a predetermined pitch attitude close to slow flight. Then along with decreasing bank angle, it will maximize the little amount of energy we have left at the 
end the maneuver to generate enough total vertical lift so as to not stall while still climbing. So we're starting off fast, high bank angle, relatively compared to the end of the maneuver, and we're bringing that pitch up to the slow flight pitch attitude because we know we have a lot of energy and we know that we're not gonna get to slow flight till the end of the maneuver, and we know pitch plus power equals performance. So we're setting that pitch through the first 90 degrees and then get rid of that bank during the second 90 degrees so that we conserve our energy so that when we are slow with a high pitch attitude, we end up at or slightly above a stall speed. When turning to the right, anticipate using right rudder as you normally would in a turn and climb to the right. Expect to have ailerons to be close to neutral to the beginning of the rollout. When turning to the left, anticipate some aileron deflection to the right and neutral to significant rudder to the right towards the end of the maneuver, overcoming all the left turning tendencies that are causing us to yaw and roll to the left. Rudder coordination is huge in making the maneuver work to maximize performance and reach that 180 degree point. So when we're going to the left, the airplane is gonna to wanna to roll and yaw to the left, which is going to demand more rudder and a slight bit of aileron to, co to control that so that the airplane doesn't roll past 30 degrees or not roll out towards the end of the maneuver. So to recap, determine your reference lines or points via satellite photo. Clear the area via satellite photo. Find your emergency airfield via satellite photo so you can be as familiar with your practice area as possible. Determine your 30 and zero degree bank stall speeds so you're familiar with whether you're doing the maneuver properly or not and if you need to recover prior to the end of the maneuver. And have a dedicated ground lesson to the maneuver during your pre-flight planning with your instructor per the airplane fly handbook. Clear the area prior to the maneuver. Look for your emergency airfield as well. Ensure you are choosing lines or points that are predominant and in both directions one in the direction of the turn and one opposite the turn. Once established on the entry leg, ensure your power settings and trim are locked in to the correct speed at or below cruise near maneuvering speed or as directed by your POH or AFM. Establish your triad of clearing. Remember to think about clouds and remember to think about those overhanging shelves of the Class Charlie and Class Bravo airspaces before you start a maximum performance climbing turn. To enter, think roll, pause, power, pull. Be patient, but aggressive. Let the maneuver develop. Time the pitch towards a slow flight attitude at the 90 degree point, trim it there, and then roll out the wings to level at the 180 degree point. And remember, you're gonna be adding trim the entire time through the maneuver, especially at the 90 degree point to get that nose set for the rest of the maneuver. Again, I'm Pete Redden, and that's another episode of The Way I Taught It. Thank you for helping me reach 3,000 downloads. Thank you for finding this podcast worthy of inclusion in your study of aviation. Please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you can't leave a five-star review, please leave feedback on how to improve this podcast and the associated less-than-five-star review. Until next time, fly safe, fly smart. That's the way I taught it. Episode references, Airplane Flying Handbook Chapters 1, 4, and 10, Commercial Pilot Airman Certification Standards, and Personal Experience.